Hey, family. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just imitating Jason. I love Sunday mornings. I'm, I'm a church junkie. I, I've never been one of those who's been mad or a church basher or upset with the organized religion and all that, because there's life where you find it and there's life where you make it. Amen? And I still believe that the church is God's answer. It's God's, God's vehicle for the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to proliferate the earth, to go about the earth. We're talking about awakening. Now, sometimes we define spiritual awakening in various ways, depending on who you're talking to. And for many, spiritual awakening or revival has always been this attitude of something coming from the outside in. Or it's something that's geographical in the sense that God's moving over there, and so we all flock over there, and we try to get a part of that or get involved in it. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I want to be where it's happening, right? Look to see where God's working, join Him in His work. So there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. I believe that spiritual awakening, there's another component to it than just the Holy Spirit showing up sovereignly. I think there's something more to it, or at least in addition to, and I want to read you my version of that, or my definition of spiritual awakening. To become fully conscious and aware of the truth that already is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me say that again. To become fully conscious and aware of the truth that already is. You already have the full meal deal. If you stepped over the line and you've been born again, as the Scripture says, born of water and of the Spirit, that's John chapter 3, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. He says, if you already have that, then you already have Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is in you. Can I get an amen? amen. Just to make sure you're awake. So Christ is in you. The hope of glory is in you, but here's the thing. In the words of Ian Thomas, he said, Jesus gave his life for you so he could give his life to you so he could live his life, help me somebody, through you. So it's not just enough to be a container. I believe that God's called us to be a river. We're not just a reservoir. We're a river through which he wants to flow. That means wherever you live, wherever you work, and wherever you play, you ought to show up leaking out all over the place. You should be messy everywhere you go. I walked in uh, on Saturday morning. I walked in, and, and Annette said, oh, my gosh, what happened? I'm like, well, I spilled my coffee on my white robe. I've got one of those cool waffle robes. We did not steal it from a hotel, I promise. I've got one of those cool waffle robes. It's not my favorite article of clothing I own. I love it. And I had spilled coffee all down the front of it because I bumped my elbow. But here's the reason why. is because my cup was so full that all it took was a little jostle to spill out. Do you understand God wants you to live out of the saucer, not out of the cup? That overflow that's happening, it's, it's coming out of you. And we're talking today about awakening. We're talking about, in this series of Ephesians, the theme of Paul as he wrote this letter, a circular letter to the churches in Asia Minor, which we call Turkey today in modern day terms. He wrote this church as a, or this letter as a circular letter to the Ephesian church initially, but it went out to all the church. It went out to Philippi, Colossae, Corinth. It went to all of those that had been planted during those missionary journeys. And we're talking about the theme, the central theme of that is awakening. It's wake up. We're going to see that in the text that we're going to read today. But here's another piece of that. 
Even though we're waking up to whatever it is, truth in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, him in you and through you living his life, we also understand that we're awakening to this truth, that we are the light of Christ. We are light, and we're going to see that in the text today as we go through it. Now, you're not going to see it on the screen today because Apple, who I happen to be an Apple fan, did a major update this week on Catalina and totally messed our system up. So we're going to have to do something. We're going to have to go way back, and we're going to have to use our Bibles today. I know it. I know it. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Or your phone, or your tablet, or your memory if you've memorized the New Testament. So go with me to Ephesians chapter 5, and we want to continue to talk about this idea of being awakened to stir up and activate what and who you already have living in and through you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 as we wake up, as we awaken. And I'm going to start off in the scripture. I want to pray as we get started. Father, in the name of Jesus, awaken us. Awaken us to the truth that already is. Awaken us, Lord, to the idea of transformation, a life that is changed in constant change, constant growth, constant expansion and increase. Father, awaken us to truth. Thank you that Jesus is not just a truth. He is the truth that sets us free. We love you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, right out of the box, he says, be imitators of God. You know, it's interesting that as a child, I wanted to be like my dad. I had a good daddy. I was very blessed in that, and my daddy was cool because he raced motorcycles and he was a firefighter. How cool is that? And so guess what I wanted to do when I grew up? Race motorcycles and be a firefighter. Well, I tried the motorcycle thing. That was okay. I had fun with that, but got all beat up and broke up doing that. So by the time I got out of high school, I was done with that. And then I also wanted to be a firefighter. That didn't work out because I decided I wanted to go to college instead and follow the call of God on my life into ministry. But here's the thing. I grew up imitating my dad. Somebody would say, hey, man, you talk like your dad when you answer the phone. I'm like, what? I can't tell the difference. You ever talk to somebody on the phone, you thought you were talking to them, but you're actually talking to their son or their daughter or their mom or their dad? How many know that can get you in trouble? It's kind of like accidentally texting the wrong person can get you in trouble. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, you've done it. So, so it's easy because we, we imitate that which is an authority over our lives. And he says this, be imitators of God. Be imitators of your heavenly Father. Do what he does. Say what he says. Be who he is. In fact, the beauty of that is, is you don't even have to copy. You don't have to counterfeit. You just receive him into your life, and he lives his life through you. So you don't have to fake it till you make it. You can be it. Christ in you and through you, the hope of glory. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. I remember hearing Joyce Meyer talk about the favorite thing she ever preached on. Her favorite series that she ever produced was a series on love. And she said it was the thing she was most satisfied with, most happy about. She said it was also the worst-selling series she ever produced. She said, isn't it strange that people don't want to hear more about love? Here's why. We think we've got that figured out. If you'll come on Wednesday night at 6.30, yes, this is a plug for Wednesday night. We are going through a curriculum by Bill Lovelace called Free to Love. Let me tell you something. You can't love until you're free. 
You can't love in an agape love until you're free indeed. And I want you to know we're going there and we're going to teach you how to be free to love. And when you're free to love, you're free to live too. But until we're free, it's hard to agape. But she says the worst selling thing. She said, I actually had to get clever and change the title just so it would have a hook to it because nobody wanted to listen to somebody talk about love because we think we have it already figured out. But look what he says. Live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. One of the things that I am so remarked or marked by is not just that Jesus died for me, but that he lived for me. See, I don't live my life looking toward the cross. I live my life looking at the tomb, an empty tomb in my rearview mirror. You know, I mean, we, we know the song, Mac Davis saying, happiness is Lubbock in my rear, new, rear mirror. I don't know if anybody remembers that song. I'm from Lubbock, so I happen to know that. My dad went to school, Mac. So happiness is Lubbock in your rear, rear mirror. Let me tell you what real happiness is and real joy and real life is found is when the empty tomb is in your rear view mirror. You're not living toward it. You're living away from it and living out of the truth of it. And that is this, that Jesus is alive. So while I'm grateful for his death, I'm grateful for his sacrifice, that was the vehicle and the tool that got me to the life that matters, the life that can now be lived. He wants to live his life in you and through you, and so I am thankful that happiness for me is the empty tomb in my rearview mirror. Listen to this in verse 3. It says, but among you there must not even be a hint. Now, remember this. Not very little of the book of Ephesians, or the letter, is actually a letter that was written, is dealing with issues. This, this letter is more, literally it's his last will and testament, because he died shortly after writing this letter. And he put a lot of weight and gravity into the words, because how would you feel? Now, Annette and I, just so you know, we, we just attended two funerals back to back. And they were both hard. They were just, they were those hard. We were grateful because they were beautiful celebrations of life because these were followers of Jesus. One was Annette's sister. One was a dear friend of mine who, they were an integral part of our church in Abilene where we pastored for 10 years and he was my elder. Uh, one of the first elders I brought aboard and just gold, gold, gold. And he died too young. And being in those environments, and you know when you've been to a funeral, how many of you know the conversation gets serious? We start to think through what we're saying, unless we're dysfunctional, and then we say stupid stuff. But we think through what we're saying because we know that that atmosphere calls for thought. It calls for sensitivity. It calls for a seriousness, and a, our words have more gravity in those environments. Standing around talking before, and I went and was reconciled beautifully to a brother uh, from Abilene, right before it started, and the weight of everything, every conversation had gravity, every conversation had meaning and weight, and, and it was sincere. I'm so glad to see you. It was like a family reunion for us. And then afterwards, of course, afterwards, it's, again, the atmosphere is thick. It's, you're just sober in that atmosphere. Paul understood that at any moment, that day could be his last on earth, and when he penned this letter, he wrote it with that in mind. And so the words he writes have gravity. 
Now, this is one area in which he dealt with an issue in the culture, and it was infiltrating the church, and here it is. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper. Someone say improper. These are improper, inappropriate for God's holy people. And someone say amen. Because they are improper, they are inappropriate. Nor should there be obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. He juxtaposed all of this coarse jesting, coarse joking, obscene talk, behavior, greed. He juxtaposes it to one thing and one thing only, and it's gratitude. Having a heart of gratitude. You know, the, the majority of your prayer life should be gratitude. Amen. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you saved me. Thank you. Lord, I don't even know where I would be if you'd not interrupted my life. Thank you for divinely interrupting my life. Amen. Thank you for saving me at 19 years of age. Thank you for, for sending that pastor, that youth pastor, to come share the gospel. Thank you for that band director who, while I was in a drunken stupor, shared the gospel with me on that yellow dog school bus. Thank you, God, that you brought those kids from Texas Tech University at Wagner Park when I was in elementary school to share the gospel with a bunch of knuckleheaded kids. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my... I mean, I just go on and on. The majority, it's all juxtaposed against one thing, and that's gratitude. Verse 5, for of this you can be sure. Paul gets very serious. And remember the weight and gravity of his words here. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. That's a lot of gravity right there. Let no one deceive you with empty words. You have to understand something. I love social media. You know what social media has done for me? It's allowed me as a pastor to continue to have a voice into lives of people that I had in my ministries through the years. 35 years of full-time ministry, that's a lot of folks. And because of social media, it's kept people in my orbit who otherwise we would have lost touch. And it still gives me an on-ramp into their life. They write me for counsel. They write me for conversation. They update me on their lives. We stay connected, and I'm grateful for social media. But here's something social media has done that I don't like, and it has lessened the value and gravity of words. Because now everybody is spewing words into cyberspace like they don't matter. It's the same thing that happened when we used to, as a kid, maybe some of you will remember this, I would either mow the lawn or collect Coke bottles and turn them in for a deposit, and then I would go down to Billy's Band-Aid, the record store, and I would buy vinyl records, and I treated them like treasure. Anybody remember buying vinyl records? Yes. Anybody? You remember how you treated them? And then over the years, things changed. Maybe you had to treat them because they were so fragile. I mean, there was like gold. I got, finally got a record. I got Heart, Dreamboat, Annie. I got, I mean, I'd go on and on and on. I got all, on vinyl. Oh my gosh. But it was all I had. Nine songs, 11 songs, and it cost me four bucks. And it was hard-earned money, and it was like gold. 
And then Spotify came along and Amazon Unlimited and Apple Music. And all of a sudden, with a couple of clicks and your parents' credit card, you can have all the music you want in the world ever created at your fingertips and be listening to it in a few seconds. You know what it's done? It's cheapened and lessened the value of music in our culture. And now, musicians can't even make a living doing music anymore unless you're in that elite few. It's cheapened and lessened the value of the art of the work. It's the same way with words. He says, let no one deceive you with cheap, empty, weightless words. I don't know about you, but the world as it is right now, I don't need a bunch of fluff. And I grew up an athlete. I was coached almost every year of my life. I had one more, one or more coaches in my life all the way year around. Football, basketball, that led into track. And tennis, which led right into baseball. We circled right around to football again. It was 24-7 all my life growing up. So I always had coaches in my grill. And you know what? I respond well to somebody in my grill. What I liked about my coaches is there wasn't any fluff. I'm just saying, no fluff. Right, Bill? There's no fluff. <laughs> Bill is not fluffy, if y'all know Bill. There is no fluff. No empty words. Everything mattered because it was time. It was important. It was in the moment. You were in the game. You didn't have time to explain it. And not everybody got a trophy when I was growing up. It was a different world. And I didn't quit the team when a coach got on me in a hard way. Because it was a different world. But words mattered. He says this, For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. He says, Words have lost their meaning. Listen to this. Verse 7, Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once in darkness. Now we come back to Paul's central theme of the book of Ephesians. You were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You used to be here, now you're here. Someone say amen to that. This is where you were, this is who you were, and this is what you were doing, but this is who you are and where you are now. And I want to share something with you. I wrote this this morning because we don't have the screen. i got to write, read it to you. Paul's central theme in the letter to the believers at Ephesus is, quote, you used to be in darkness, now you are in the light. You are not who you used to be. And listen, I believe prophetically somebody needs to hear this today. You need to hear this as thunder in your soul. And you need to hear this as a word from God, not from Jimmy Pruitt, not from a guy. You need to hear this as a word for you from God, from throne central in a sense. Get a download here. And here it is. You are not who you used to be. Amen. You're beating yourself up for your past. In fact, let me just read it to you the way I wrote it. Your past, your mistake, your failure, your grief, your pain, your addiction, your misstep, your sin, your bank account, your job, your family of origin, your thought life, these are not who you are. Your identity is found only in Christ Jesus, and you are who he says you are. Rest in the truth that sets you free today. You look at me. Everyone look at me. Just from, God, I do feel like Charles Stanley, Michael. Look at me. Everybody look at me for a minute. I don't have that, that Georgian Southern, that Atlanta Georgia draw, but 
you are not who you used to be. You are who he says you are. You're who God says you are. You're not who culture says you are. You're not who your job says you are or your boss says you are or your your name tag on your uniform, what it says you are. You are a child of God. You're a son. You're a daughter. And let me tell you something about my God. He's a king. You know what that makes you? A king's kid. You know what that makes you? Royalty. You're a prince. You're a princess. You're an heir. You've you've got an inheritance. Cattle on a thousand hills, that's a nice way to say it. He owns the whole kit and caboodle. Thank you for defining that for me two weeks ago. Somebody define that for me. Kit and caboodle. It actually means something. It means everything. You're a child of God. And let me tell you what's really cool about that is we're all family here if we're in Christ. And as those who are in Christ, we are inheritors together. We are heirs with Christ, joint heirs with Jesus. That's who you are. In fact, I use this. This is Bill Loveless. Uh, We're out of them again, so we'll get more. We've given away over a thousand of these. It's just a bookmark, but all it is, it takes Scripture and it puts it into a simple statement. And this is all Bible-based, so we're not going off on some weird tangent here. And let me just read a few of these, because this is who you are, and you should posture yourself to receive what I'm about to read to you. In Christ, I am strong. And I'm going to say it to you. In Christ, you are strong. In Christ, you are complete in Him. In Christ, you are compassionate, kind, and patient. In Christ, you're secure. Some of you have even said to yourself, I'm insecure. No, you're not in Christ. You're completely secure. In Christ, you're a saint. You're not an idiot. You called yourself that this week, didn't you? You said, oh, such an idiot. No, you're not. You're a saint. In Christ, you're others focused. In Christ, you're joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, and gentle. In Christ, you're a joint heir. In Christ, you have the mind of Christ. Some of us just need to tap into it. Can I get an amen, right? In Christ, you're God's workmanship. In Christ, you're a child of God. In Christ, you're his friend. In Christ, you are chosen, holy, and dearly loved. In Christ, you're an expression of the life of Jesus himself because he is your life. And whatever agreements we have made with our mind or the enemy, we need to break those agreements in the name of Jesus. You know what an agreement is? Well, if you're from West Texas, it's a handshake. And a handshake in West Texas isn't a contract, it's a covenant. If you grow up in West Texas, your handshake and your word should be your bond. You shake hands with somebody, it's a done deal. That's how I grew up. And let me tell you something. What you are and who you are in Christ You have to agree with that, and in agreeing with it, you are shaking hands with God himself, the Father, and striking the covenant and saying, I'm going to believe what you say about me, Father, what your word says about me, because your word is your will, your word is your ways, and I am going to trust and believe your word over my feelings and my emotions. We walk by faith and not by sight. 
We're not moved by what we see. We're not moved by what we feel. We're not moved even by what we experience. We are moved by the truth of God's Word. Can I get an amen? amen. So we are who He says we are, not even who we think we are, but you may have made an agreement with that. And in so doing, now you need to break that agreement. Can we keep this simple today, saint? Kiss, keep it simple, saint? Here's what you do. You say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I've made an agreement. I made an agreement that I'm not worthy. I've made an agreement I'm not good enough. I've made an agreement I'm a failure. I've made an agreement I'll never make it. I've made an agreement that it looks good now, but it's going to break down the road. I've made an agreement this isn't going to last. It's too good. I've made an agreement that this is too good to be true. I'm just sharing the ones I do. I've made an agreement that I'll never measure up. I've made an agreement that I'm going I'm to spin out someday. I've made an agreement that people are going to discover I'm an imposter. I've made an agreement that I'm a poser, a fake, a counterfeit. Confess that and you say, and then in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the authority that you give me because of Jesus Christ. This isn't about me. It's not what I've earned. It's not what I do. It's not how I've behaved. It's who I am in Christ. You've given me authority. And by the authority that has been given me through Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I break any and, any and every agreement I have made against myself and against who I am and against your revealed will in your word. And in the name of Jesus, I'm grateful, and I receive your grace, I receive your mercy, I receive my identity in Christ as a son, as a saint, as a child of God, as a prince, as a king's kid, as royalty, as the head and not the tail, as above only and not beneath, blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field. I receive the truth of God's word about who I am, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against me, you, Father, will show to be in the wrong. I stand in the Word of God that says, I've been raised up, seated in Christ, in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. I'm not under the circumstances. I'm over the circumstances. That's the agreement I make. I agree with the Word of God. The Word works, but you have to work the Word. And that's why we're here. I want to encourage you, do not buy in to what the, light, what the mirror says or what another person says, what your own mind says. By the way, the enemy is good at disguising his voice to sound just like yours. But remember, he's a liar and a deceiver, and he's an opportunist. And a lot of times you think you're thinking that, but I'm telling you, he inserts things into our mind. That's why we have to become impermeable to the enemy. Amen? Amen? I hope that helps somebody. That was not even the main thing we were doing here today. Maybe it was. Listen to this. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Now, I want to go down to... I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because I feel like this is really important. Verse 18, I know we live in Fredericksburg. I'm not trying to bust anyone's buddy, bubble or poop on anyone's party. Verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And here's the thing. Religious folk will focus on the first half of this verse. By the way, 
the first half is not the subject of the verse. In the, in the actual language, the subject's the second half. But we religious folk, we tend to default to the negative, right? So we're going to go, oh, don't do this, but we don't even bother with the second part of it. Here's the thing. If you put the emphasis on the wrong syllable, it won't come out right. So we're going to put the emphasis where it goes, and it goes not on the first part of this verse, but on the second part of the verse. And it says this, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, and all the religious people, amen, glory, woo! Instead, now here's the subject, here's where it goes. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That is where the emphasis is. That is where the subject is. We've got to get the cart behind the horse, not in front of the horse. The caboose doesn't pull the train. It follows behind. We've got to get things in right order. He says this, and in the original language, I love this. Instead, ever be filled with the Holy Spirit, which means literally continually be filled. That's why if you're a reservoir, you get full and that's it. But if you are a river, it is a never-ending flow. And you're not called to be a reservoir. You're called to be a river through which He flows through your life by His Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It, listen to this. Instead, ever or continually be filled with the spirit. That means all the time, every day, 24-7. And here's the deal. We have this idea. We have a, a deposit bank mentality where I'm afraid if I use too much, then I'll have less for me. We do that with love. We do that with our time. We do that with our emotions. But here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. The more you give out, the more that comes in. He says of his kingdom in the Old Testament that it is an ever-expanding, ever-increasing kingdom. Ever-expanding. In other words, he's making more. You can't run out. Give it all away. There will be more there than you started with. It's an amazing thing that the more you give out, the more there is. So become a river. And then as you are, we start off as a creek, right? The one behind my house, it isn't running right now. It's dry as a bone. But let me tell you what's going to happen over time. The rains are going to come. Water's going to pool. And then it's going to begin to flow again. And then it's going to get bigger and bigger. And the more rain that comes, the more we have. Listen, there is a never-ending supply of the Spirit and the presence and the dunamis, the power of God for your life. Never-ending. But you've got to be open. You've got to be like a conduit. You've got to be like a river and just say, more, Lord, just let it come. You come, you yourself, in me and through me, and I will be a conduit through which you flow. Let's have the worship team go ahead and make their way up here. And then look what he says in verse 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Man, he's like, come on. Come on. Speak. Encourage. And he says this, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Some have made a case that this is why there should be no instruments in a church. Uh, if that, you've got to get rid of the whole Old Testament and the book of Revelation. So here's the thing. Listen, sing and make music in your heart. The beauty of that is this. Rush, I know, I just stepped in your spot. I'm sorry. I'm coming over here. Stay in my part of the kitchen. Listen to this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? Speaks. If we're making music in our heart and we're singing in our heart, let me tell you something. It should be coming out of you nonstop, out of your mouth. 
It's like the guy on aisle seven in Target who has those Beats headphones on, the ones that go over the ear, and he doesn't even realize he's singing out loud. And you hear this horrific singing, and you turn the corner, it's a dude with Beats on, and he's just singing and having a great time. What's happening? It's just coming out of his heart. He doesn't even realize everybody around him is going, you should not be on The Voice, I'm just saying. There should be something so in us that we cannot contain it. We sing, we make music in our heart and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth. The mouth becomes the faucet through which it comes. Praising the Lord, the fruit of our lips, lifting him up. Amen? As we close, I want to invite you to do something this week. Would you open your heart up and just say, Lord, ah, no secrets, no leverage. Light exposes darkness. And Lord, I'm open before you. I don't want to be a reservoir. I don't want to just contain you and then keep you to myself. Lord, I want to be a river through which you flow, through which you touch other people. Open, authentic, released. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, sons and daughters. We open our hearts before you right now. We say, Lord, flow in that you may flow through and flow out. And we know, Lord, that we'll, there's a never-ending supply. We want to ever be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with all you are and who you are. We honor you and we love you. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. Let's all stand together. Let's worship on our way out. And we're going to have our prayer team up here at the front. If you need prayer for anything, we're here for you. Feel free to come forward.